A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. All right, all right. Welcome back, everyone. Very, very glad to have you with us again here on A Little More Good. It's Dean. It's Zach. Yes. Got a good episode today. Oof. Really, uh, um, a really powerful one, actually, touching on a lot of uh, deep and maybe sensitive topics for some of us, right? Mm-hmm. Our connections with food, um, our own kind of understanding of ourselves, uh, disordered eating. So... It's a big one, really, really important. Uh, and I think, I mean, I know that I came away from this conversation with just uh, a whole bunch of new insights and wisdoms on on how uh, our relationship to food and ourselves and understanding who we are um, is like a really, really vital part in terms of growth and health. Definitely, yeah, I felt like I learned a lot. That was a conversation that, you know, I haven't really had before. So I felt, uh, you know, a lot of light bulbs turned on that aren't going to turn off anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll allow me to hopefully navigate the human experience with more empathy and understanding and acceptance and uh, just some admiration for Kate Horseman. Yes, you're probably all wondering, well, who is this guest? Kate, Oof, she's great. It was so fun. She's it was so cool. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and like really, really great to talk with and just has, she's so, I love, you know what I loved about her is she's so intentional. Yes. Like even as you'll hear throughout the conversation, like some of the questions, like she just really took a second to like think about what she wanted to say. She takes pause. Yeah. Which I think is such a good practice and often on the podcast and in in situations even in just regular conversations we don't allow for like just a pause or a beat or like some quiet space and I love the way that she wasn't going to just jump in with words and noise like she really wanted to articulate something that was important yes and so that was that was awesome and I think spoke volumes about who she is as a person and how she carries herself in the world but yeah Kate Horseman was the guest is the guest and you will love this conversation you'll love it uh we got a new sponsor this week yeah one that i'm very excited about fresh prep fresh prep and i have been a fresh prepper i call myself a fresh prepper <laughs> that's like the insider lingo yeah. the insider term. <laughs> i've been a fresh a loyal every week fresh prepper for almost five years it's crazy it actually changed how we eat at home and like it took it took dinner from being a stressful rat race anxious kind of experience to something that myself and my family really enjoy it kind of took out took out the messy bits and um you know they i'm i'm a passionate believer in what they are creating in the place so fresh prep is a 
a meal service. Um, you know, they have amazing recipes on their website, uh, tons of vegan plant-based options, um, and they do a great job at supporting local purveyors, local small businesses, local brands. Like there's like the, always the best add-ons. I really admire how they like are so inclusive to local small business collaboration. So cool. Anyways, they take the hard work out of creating a meal. Um, all of the ingredients are packaged and ready for you. And um, they've got an easy to assemble, easy to create recipe that goes uh, with those ingredients and how to take it from, you know, in a bag to on your plate. And it's usually like, honestly, like, 10 to 15 minutes and if like a dumb dumb like me <laughs> can do it i feel like i'm like yeah. you know like a toast and butter like if 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 the family's out and dinner's on me i'm like i'll just make some toast yeah so if it's as easy as toast for a culinary kind of adult like myself <laughs> i feel like you can like empower anybody yes. to create delicious nutritious amazing meals and they are delicious and nutritious right well what's cool about it is like you don't have to have like the the culinary chops of you know like an anapipas yeah. of the world right Oof. someone who's like a, a real a real you know chef in their own right uh or an asha wielden um but we you you can create like really good meals yeah uh with like relative ease it's not like you're sacrificing quality yeah. or ingredients to like be able to make something like it's really good local ingredients packaged put together pre pre-chopped like yep. ready to go to just yep. like get it cooked and 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 make a healthy delicious meal yep takes yeah. out all the excuses it really does and the one thing you know just uh looking over looking over their website and kind of getting more uh more familiar with some of the cool things about them that i i really wanted to share was like zero waste yeah they've got zero waste options i think they might be like the first uh like meal prep service to have a zero waste option which is incredible i remember like that was one of our thoughts when we first started doing meal delivery sir uh, meal prep services and we we're like oh but there's all these plastic bags and all this waste but fresh prep you know, they went into that corner and acknowledged it and they mm -hmm. came out with a solution. And I think they're like the first to market with like a zero waste meal prep kit. So cool. Yeah. Just shows you like their commitment, right? Beyond just providing like good meals and being like a, you know, a sustainable business, but they, they kind of really care about the environment Yeah, and they're, they're doing it. Like they're making, they're making uh, ground where other people haven't stood before. The which, walk in the talk. Yeah. Which I really love and respect so fresh prep there you go last night i'm just thinking about the fresh prep we had yesterday we mm. had this like pumpkin soup that had like squash or yams or something awesome <laughs> with this like kale salad and i was like licking the bowl yes. it was so good i wanted i wanted more um but the kids love it um they team up with local chefs to come up with recipes um it's having like an awesome you know, recipe development team on their own end. Um, yeah, I honestly can't say enough good about Fresh Prep. So it's such a value alignment to have them on as a sponsor because I've been, you know, singing their praises for five years. <laughs> You're a so fresh prepper. Uh, it's very natural for, for me to fully endorse and give all the thumbs up for what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, definitely creating a little more good when it comes to um, 
making dinner an easy, awesome experience. Yeah, love it. So you got to check them out. Um, follow them on Instagram so you can kind of see what they're about as an organization. Also, like some of the delicious foods that are available. Uh, simplyfreshprep.ca. You'll find them everywhere there. Uh, Facebook, even TikTok. They're Pinterest. on the TikTok. They're on the TikTok. Yeah. They've got all, all the social medias. Uh, and of course, check out the website to be able to go through and, and look at the menus and also uh, place an order, www.freshprep.ca. And we've got something juicy just for the listeners of what, A Little More Good. What do we got, Dean? We got a little uh, discount code to offer you as listeners. So this code uh, will provide a new member with three free meals on their first order over uh, on your first order, which is over. It's almost a $40 value. Sweet. So that's three, awesome. Three free meals. That's amazing. That's like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday dinners taken care of. I just have like a really cheesy song in my head. It's like Madonna, like, like a fresh prep <laughs> for the very first time. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's good. I don't know why, why, how that happened, but it happens. The pop culture man is buried yeah. there. So, uh, do you want to sing them? I don't did, know. Did I think that was it. I did it. <laughs> I don't know if I can recreate that. So, if you want to go, go to uh, freshprep.ca, and under the promo code, you want to put in SC Juice. That's your juicy. Is it all caps or it's all caps? All caps. All okay. caps. SC Juice. SC Juice. All caps for three, three complimentary. Delicious, nutritious, amazing meals. So you don't want to sleep on that. Make sure you get it. And uh, also, be part of the community. Take a picture, right? That's what Instagram's for. Take a picture of your dinner and use the tags, hashtag fresh prep. And if you have one of their um, zero waste options, hashtag fresh prep zero waste. And then people can see that you're part of the movement. Yep. And like, like it. Like it. They will like it. Enjoy it. Yes, and I, you will like it because it's delicious. I, I hope you like it even half as much as I like it because I like it a lot. There you go. You too can be a fresh prepper. <laughs> you too can be a fresh prepper. There we go. All right, so check them out. Get those meals. I know you won't regret it. Yeah. And, I mean, maybe there's no better segue into today's episode than talking about healthy, delicious food and how it nourishes us and feeds us, but recognizing that sometimes it's a process to get there, right? Just like cooking a meal can be a process and Fresh Prep wants to take the take a lot of the hard work away from us. Uh, our conversation today with Kate, um, diving into the hard work of looking after ourselves and our relationships with food and how we can, how we can walk in the spaces of healing and coming back to ourselves. And so we really hope that you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed it. Yes, tune in. Thanks, guys. All right, here we go. Hi, guys. Hello. We're here with Kate Horseman. Yes. We've been having some pre-pod chat, and we probably should just record it all because it was a good podcast on yeah. its own. There was some goodness in it. Yeah. We'll try and uh, <laughs> we'll try to recreate it. We'll get into yeah. it. That was, like, that was like us cultivating... The fertile soil of conversation uh -huh. from which beautiful nuggets of wisdom shall grow. Mm -hmm. There we go. Let's make it so. The field is ready to plant yes. the seeds. Okay. I'm going to kick things off here with a question that you shared on Instagram. Okay. Okay. I'm and then nervous. we'll get going. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you said, this is a question I ask myself frequently. Mm. Hopefully you do too. The question is, who are you, Kate Horseman? 
Answer without name, title, things you've done, or who you are to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did just ask that, didn't I? That's, that's um, a tough one. I saw that. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna throw yeah. that back at Kate because that's that's a, you know, I think so many times, people ask like, the first thing they ask, well, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And then there's a hierarchy right away, from like placing the importance of your job or projecting your own, you know, insecurities or securities on what someone else does, strictly speaking for a living yeah but uh i don't think that is like a value-based question on like are you a good person or what do you want the world to be like or what lights you up yeah you know and i would add to that too that another way that we are starting to identify a lot beyond before i answer that question (laughs) um (laughs) that we're also identifying with this thing like what is your story Yes. And that one also feels really uncomfortable mm-hmm. and also not necessarily. Um, well, I just think it changes to like reduce ourselves to like what our story is. Like yes. my story today is very different than it was yesterday as it was five years ago. And I do not want to reduce it into something that it just feels like it's so distilled that someone will be able to get it yeah and do like for it to be tangible um so yeah like i I really appreciate that question and i often think of like how do i integrate asking that question into like our meetings like if i wasn't to know you both like how would i how would i introduce this question yes um and so that I'm, i'm still figuring out but that question the first time it was asked of me i was actually at the show press center do you guys remember when that was in vancouver yeah down on like it was downtown and, yeah and danielle uh what was her what's her yeah. name danielle Dan- that was actually maybe where i first met danielle mika yes yeah yes oh interesting okay so wonder <laughs> wonderful yoga studio and they did workshops and it was the same question and there was three three words that that came to me and it's still every time i i ask this they're still there and i think there's room for them to shift but it's that i'm a teacher and mm-hmm. that's not that's not what i do but i'm a teacher um um my job is to create so there's something about this um being inspired being a contributing factor to some sort of inspiration. Um, and that I am love. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's been like a an interesting journey for me because there's been so many parts of my life where I have not loved myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but to come back to this like truth of like, who whom am I? And, and those what I, I would say are part of like, a tree trunk like they're part or actually maybe they're the roots and then there's there's just yeah going back to growth there's mm. there's something growing from that that's many other things also mm-hmm. but like at at its core those those are the things to inspire to create to teach um to love and 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 love myself in return those are the that is who i am yeah there yeah. we go so yeah. good does it get you guys thinking oh for sure yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, Zach, sure. you, you sent us 
you sent me that it was in the whatsapp chat yes you sent it to me and i was like oh my gosh this question is like fire emoji on repeat <laughs> and you're like yeah totally i love or something like i love collecting good questions and then you answered like you just oh, wrote it out i don't even remember what i said <laughs> i can't it was good a wave i remember a wave was part of it right uh anyway it oh, was so I good have, i do have um like a i was i did this like workshop years ago uh, with Judy Brooks, who uh, Devin mm, Brooks is my yeah. name right now, and it, part of it was coming up with your like mission statement, and I think that kind of gets to the core or the foundation of who you are. And mine was uh, planting seeds that change systems or something mm -hmm. along those lines, and um, I kind of do resonate with this idea of of just planting seeds and not being like connected to um, the outcome. Mm. Um, I think that is is part of what you do as a teacher too like i think we can offer um you know our passion and our values and our our learnings and we can share them with whoever is willing to listen and it's up to them to what happens with them if if they wanted to grow into a tree or if that i you know seed never grows you know mm -hmm. that's all part of the harvest and and my goal is just to plant seeds that hopefully inspire more good but uh you and look know. at what you built yeah so. <laughs> right. trying yeah. trying yeah. yeah yeah so i'm mm. not so much uh so remember okay. so much uh you know there for the harvest but i'm there for the the planting of yeah. the seeds hopefully beautiful beautiful i do remember it was something about a gardener too because i'm like oh that's so good <laughs> so that's probably what it was gardener there we go that's okay. I don't need to find it. And, you know, maybe for our listeners, like there's just so many creative ways of like accessing, like, yeah. Like I, when I put that question out, I had a lot of people respond with like their mission statements, cool. which I was surprised by. I thought there'd be like, you know, like maybe a word or two, but, but really put some thought and like this, that question can look like so many things like the answer at times might just be a visual the answer at times might be yeah a drawing it might be an mm -hmm. emoji mm -hmm. it might yeah. you know like yeah ac access whatever parts of that feel yeah interesting yeah there you go what well, i love that it's like evolving too mm -hmm. as it should be right yeah. like just your earlier point like we're not just a truncated version of a story that is like completed because mm -hmm. that's certainly not true if we're still breathing it's still unfolding but that these aren't like, these are more of like a time capsule or like a date stamp of like, this is my current best understanding of myself. Mm -hmm. It's like these four or five words or this mission statement, but this isn't exactly like, this isn't me forever, mm -hmm. right? And that maybe there are some core elements, like these three things are like my pillars or my foundation, but out of this springs so many things. And for a season, it might be this and this, but then in in another season like it's these things but they're still all connected to like these core values right yeah i think that's important work too is like distilling understanding to strip away like i'm not my job i'm not my role as a partner or as a parent or as a this or that but saying who am i really mm -hmm. and how that's linked to like what are the things that i value and how does that shape and reinforce like who who i am and how i show up in the world yeah yeah when when you're working with your with your clients and your community, when you're like talking about story and attachment, how we attach ourselves to these stories, 
do you find people tell a story that's like aspirational of themselves or mm-hmm. like kind of reduce themselves to like a lower denomination of of who they can be yeah um unfortunately i would say the latter i yeah. i think that um there are occasions and like let me tell you when i hear them they feel oh it's such a absolute privilege it's a privilege anyways to hear any part of of someone's story but yeah for the most part i think i think there's something in our in our nature and in our culture and what we're moving through that like it's far easier to mm-hmm. to look at all that is wrong than all that is right yes. and part of the process of that I'm working through with humans working through with recovery is like reminding yourself of like of, of all the ways that you're that you are right that, mm-hmm. that you are not wrong and that you're not broken you know like the the systems are broken you you are not it's like remembering that wholeness so um so yeah, it, it takes some it takes some steps to get there, and again, it's absolutely breathtaking when when someone can articulate the aspira- aspirational version of themselves. So if someone's stuck into a story that they're you know failed at something or they can't be something, mm-hmm. how? Because like you're saying, it's just a story mm-hmm. uh, that we've attached to ourselves or gotten into the habit of believing Mm -hmm. uh what are some some steps people can take to change their story yeah i mean i think one of the ways well i just think it's so important to acknowledge that like i got to change i got to decide when i wanted to be more than my story Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's just really dependent on that human, right? And there's a lot of processes that are really helpful about being with the story mm-hmm. and allowing it to um, not necessarily play out, but like give it give it some breathing room. Mm-hmm. Like let's let's talk about what that experience of being in that story is, um, so that that feels supported, because so so often like our journey is just about wanting to be heard, to be seen, to be witnessed, to be held. And so sometimes that means absolutely living in your story. Yeah. And then there will come become a time where that is not as valuable or not as helpful. Um, and so maybe, maybe my like indirect answer to that is actually just patience, like Mm -hmm. allowing, allowing that story to land, um with the people that that feel safe and good and nurturing to that right um allowing your voice to be heard and then you always get to change your mind yeah right mm-hmm. and we don't we don't like remind ourselves of that like you can literally change your mind you that you don't have to attach yourself to that story yeah. anymore it can be a, another a chapter right? there's many chapters in a book yeah I heard, it's not just a beginning and an end yeah i heard a good saying from a friend uh talking about he's like on the cusp of you know, a pretty significant career move and really wasn't sure, like wasn't sure if it was the right move or the right risk. And he's like in the simplest way is his dad or his uncle or someone who wasn't, uh, wasn't like the most maybe articulate, like thoughtful, sagely kind of character was just more like down to earth said to him, well, it's not a life sentence. And he's like, there was so much freedom in that. Yeah. Cause it's like, oh yeah. 
I can I can try this and I can fail or I can succeed, but one way or another, it's not a life sentence. Like yeah. this isn't something that I'm going to have to do. And yeah, it may be like lessons that you learn will be with you for your life, but you can change your mind. Yeah, You can stop doing something that you're doing or start doing something that yeah. you've always wanted to do. Like we have the power. Yeah, I think and the other thing, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Like we live in such an instant gratification kind of world. Mm-hmm. And this con, this thought of like patience, having patience mm. is, we say it and we know what it means, but like when it comes to healing or understanding like where we are at on the journey or in our story, what are some ways that you help people to find patience when mm. like when you recognize that maybe, oh yeah, shoot, I'm not well. We want to be well really quickly. Yeah. Right. But there's no like emergency department for like a dislocated shoulder. Oh, we'll put it back in yeah. and in a few weeks. You'll be okay. Yeah. How do we like start to live into that patience and see even that as part of the healing maybe? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's like shifting from this human, human doing to a human being. Mm. And I think that's like, how, how do we actually like, like we're all just figuring out how to be human. Right. And we've, we've we're trying to distance ourselves from that human experience and so i think um that patience calls for a tremendous amount of discomfort Mm -hmm. and so i think that i mean there's like some superficial layers to 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 the rest and moving slowly that um certainly can be supportive but i think at its root it's like how can we actually um like be with the tension or the discomforts that come with saying this takes time or that I'm allowed to take up time, or that I'm allowed to sleep, or that I'm allowed to rest, or this is allowed to be a process. Right. Right. Like, I think that that's just such a courageous step. And why it's courageous is that it is so uncomfortable. Hmm. And so it's like, how, how do we build up that tolerance or that capacity to, yeah, to be with the discomfort that arises when we say let's move slow yeah because it's like counterculture yeah right is to slow down to rest we almost need like permission Mm. from someone oh yeah to to say it's okay to like take time to do this because this takes time to do yeah right Mm. yeah so i mean i think i think there's like deep roots and maybe that's like (laughs) you know we we're we're getting into it but i yeah i mean this the easier layers is like you know um you know being in supportive atmosphere that says like we don't expect anything of you that um being with helpers too that say like i have no expectations like i don't i don't i don't have an attachment to this outcome Mm. i'm just able to be here with you right now and let's see this through um yeah like our environment really matters and and I guess maybe like it's this also this remembrance of like all the small things that happened along that that patient journey come together. You know, in the forest, we're not seeing or I love how we planted those seeds back. Here <laughs> we got, are. Yeah. Um, grow. yeah. That, you know, there's just these subtle and small shifts that happen like moment to moment. And yet we don't even realize it until the next season has changed, mm-hmm. right? How different it looks. And then another season and then the yearly season and the ones after that and look, the environment changes completely. Um, and, and so, yeah, if we're, if we're talking about 
giving ourselves the permission to go the long haul is knowing that along the way there are so many steps that are happening mm-hmm. um and just like reminding ourselves having having that um yeah that recognition that something is shifting mm. yeah that's good that's good yeah we... small small victories small... right that, that's yeah. one thing we talk yeah. about like celebrating like we kind of wait for these big moments all the time mm-hmm. but the small victories make the big victories possible you know sometimes like you said like getting out of bed can be a small victory yeah and that's where kind of we can build towards those bigger things yeah sometimes that feels like a rebellion on its own just waking up and getting out of bed yeah isn't that the truth yeah and we can take that for 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 a small victory and and celebrate that yeah yeah we're definitely not I think we're getting better at that. Like there's some like awareness that we're, we can acknowledge that that's possible. And yet, um, yeah, it's definitely not what our, our culture does. It's like graduation, birth, yeah. marriage, job thing. You know, there's not this day, day in, day, day yeah. in acknowledgement. You're not seeing all the Instagram posts being like, yeah. fuck yeah, today I, yeah. I got, I put my, put my socks and underwear on yeah. and got out of bed. You know? Yeah. We did it. Yeah. We need like an honest Instagram. I know. <laughs> it's like just no highlights, but just yeah. like, this is me making it today. Yeah. Right. Like I showed up to work. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cause I didn't know if it was going to happen. Right. Yeah. Or got out of bed. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't need another social media platform. I know. <laughs> but some, honest some, Instagram is some good version, name, though. Yeah, yeah some version soon. of health, healthy social media, if there is such a thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. my. Well, maybe we can take it back a little bit. We'll mm-hmm. kind of, we like to dance to the past, future, and present. Okay. Um, what was what was young Kate like? What, where did you grow oh. up, and what were you like as, uh, as, as the young version of your, the young version in your story, younger, mm-hmm. younger mm-hmm. version? Yeah. Um, well, I grew up mostly on the North Shore of Vancouver. Yeah. And um, I say mostly because I started pretty early on going to um, training in the States and on the East Coast for dance. Um, and so like, yeah, pretty early on by, by nine, I was doing some traveling there and, and had different routes. But um, yeah, what was she like? You know, I'm still peel, peeling back layers of what she's like, that yeah. remembrance. Like, yeah. I feel as though when I was going through parts of my story, I like, I saw a very different version of me Yeah, and getting to know her now is actually kind of interesting. But, um, yeah, she was very, very curious, Yeah, very quiet, very, very quiet. Um, like painfully so, yeah. um, but like a very rich imagination. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's where my creativity really just started to blossom. Like that was just such an easy space for me to exist in. Um, and, and you got into dance at a young age, right? Yeah, I was three years old when I started ballet. And um, yeah, that just became an easy place, I think, an outlet for I guess like the emotional world that I was feeling within yeah. and then also like this creative energy. Um, so yeah, dance was a huge, huge part of my life. And, um, you know, there was, there's been many moments where like that, that took a turn that wasn't healthy, helpful, um, didn't become, you know, wasn't place of creation anymore. Um, 
but certainly at its origin story, it was. Okay. Yeah. Well, kind of, you kind of answered it, but it's um, Ellie Maz has this question that mm-hmm. we love, and I, I think you, you, both of your, some of your stories have parallels in, yeah. in dancing and and where that took you. Uh, and her her question that she likes to ask is, "Who were you before the world told you who mm-hmm. to be?" Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think you you alluded to curiosity and you know quietly taking things in but yeah uh, yeah who were you before before the dancer before the yeah. world projected onto you and maybe that's why it's so interesting that question we started with is yes. like i actually feel like yeah i i was creative yeah i uh you know i always am curious about this the quiet thing because i think there's reasons why i was quiet and that some of it is my nature so there was like this thoughtfulness, but then I think also just like the things that happened to me. Mm-hmm. So I also think there was this way that I, I was more effortless with what I said, even, even in the quiet. Mm-hmm. And so that is something that I'm also thinking about returning to. It's like, how can I let what my voice wants me to say, yeah. how can I like open up my throat more yeah. so that I can access her, I can access that being, yeah. right? Fun Ali Maz fact. I yeah. don't know if you guys, um, I, I haven't listened to the episode yet with, with Ali, but I knew her when she was a dancer. No way. Because I, we're jumping ahead in the, in the story. That's okay. But I had come back from New York um, and my first dance studio um, was her, her dance studio no way. in North Van. And they said, we really want you to teach. And I was like, I don't want to teach. I don't want to like, this. that's not what I want to do. And they're like, just please come. And it was like a group of grade 12 students at this yeah. time. And so it was Allie's like last year and she was in my class. No way. Yeah. I taught Allie in grade 12 <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was interesting and beautiful. And, um, and, and wonderful to see uh, her her growth and her, well, not even her growth, just her embodiment. Yeah. So, yeah. That's cool. That's yeah. very cool. Just the a couple of North Shore paths. dancers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you guys yeah. are both you know, teachers, healers. Yeah. From your origins of dance and yeah. movement. and Just different different timelines. But, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Really very cool. cool. That's cool. So, um, you know, you got to quite a high level in dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're, I mean, I don't, I don't know, dancing the terminology. terminology. <laughs> I was always like that white guy at the club that like, had no coordination. <laughs> I was always dancing like to whatever uh, beat was not. What, uh, what, was your, what was your jam? Like what would oh, bring you to the dance floor? Like, uh, like Mariah Carey or something. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I always liked like the slow jams because oh, interesting. You know, it was easier to move. Okay. There, there was less coordination. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The beat like had a little more forgiveness. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's true. But I kind of grew up like during, you know, when I go to the dances or the clubs or whatever, it'd be like a lot of like Dr. Dre, yeah. Tupac, yeah. all that sort of stuff, and uh, you know, white white guy over here didn't have the same moves as. Uh, yeah those yeah, guys so yeah yeah i always beat to the mm. beat to my own drum <laughs> yeah. when it came to the dance floor. yeah yeah that's all right wasn't that's my right. platform to peacock or show off or... yeah yeah i remember blend I, I, blend yeah, yeah, yeah. i remember a girl asked me once she was like if you were trying to like you know 
seduce me or get me or whatever like what dance moves would you i'm like well i wouldn't be from dancing dancing. (laughs) (laughs) you'd probably see me and walk in the other direction those are my dance moves yeah (laughs) but your dance moves my dance moves (laughs) i mean yeah i mean i did i I enjoyed dancing for fun later in life i certainly was not something that I was familiar with doing up until like I was in my twenties because it was just very, yeah, it was a very technical journey. Um, I wasn't doing anything other than ballet. Um, and by the time of like 11, I was dancing like eight hours a day. Wow. By 11. 11, So it's like grade five or grade six or something like that. Yeah. Um, and at, at different points out of school, homeschooled so that I could dance you know, adequate enough hours or be in, you know, Toronto or New York or Winnipeg. And, um, was it fun for you still at that point or did it no. become like, it was your story and yeah. you were like, I am a dancer. Yeah. Um, like, did it, it take wasn't o- fun. It wasn't fun. It wasn't fun. Like I, I, I feel like probably by the age of 12 or 13 something shifted yeah where it was very much um like I really wanted to accomplish something Mm -hmm. and that's the only way that I knew to get um actually it wasn't the only way that I knew how to get positive feedback but it was you know a very Mm -hmm. sustainable way Mm -hmm. of getting feedback was like just keep achieving just keep Yep. you know getting into new places and um because you were good at it yeah and i was and you know the shame of it is i definitely acknowledge now is like how how talented i was yeah um but you know my life just took a really interesting trajectory and dance of maybe fortunately or unfortunately was a way out um so yeah, the dance became so consuming, and by by this point, already very much um, ingrained in in an eating disorder by the age of twelve. Yeah. That that um, the the only way that I could heal that was to remove myself from dance, um, and that was that was my my um, I wouldn't say my choice, but like. Yeah, my my journey. I didn't see a world in which I could coexist and getting healthy, and being a dancer, and so, um, and so it like it you know it, it really took away it robbed me of my of my dance. Um, yeah. Was that a was that a lo- like long decision making process, or did you know pretty quickly like you talked about earlier like supportive environments? Mm not attached like outcomes and obviously there that wasn't there Mm -hmm. in the dance community at least that you Mm -hmm. were in Mm -hmm. so was that uh what was the kind of like timeline on that did you have to sit with that for a while because it's a big part of your life your identity at the time yeah and to say like can i can't did you try to do both at the same time or was it like a pretty quick well yeah good question i did do both for some time so they were coexisting in the space but one is becoming much too large right and at that point it was it was almost like easier to give in to the physicality of like what was happening to my body mm-hmm. than to fight for myself wow. which is you know it, it's it's sad in retrospect like to, to like that's heavy mm-hmm. um but it made sense at the time so by the time i had to step away um you know my body was was very very ill 
and it didn't seem to matter much to me that I was leaving that behind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. I've got a lot of questions and curiosities. Yeah, here. go for it. Um, I want to talk about, you know, disordered eating and, mm-hmm. and body image and diet culture and intuitive eating and all of that. But before we get there, like, did you find we were talking about chapters and stories once you stopped dancing, did you find you had to create like a new story for yourself yeah. and your identity? Yeah. Oh. I'm still doing that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, what was that like? But I guess what yeah. is that like? Yeah. Yeah. I'm still doing that. Um, and it's acknowledgement of that. Like I'm still doing that yeah. all the time. Um, I don't think that at the beginning I necessarily realized that I had to create another identity, yeah. but once I was able to like move out of survival mm-hmm. into like okay I'm, I'm an alive human yeah then then that started to to come into play and at times that was too daunting to look at um so i think there was ways where it was like easy to look for things that would give me attention like people with it, my style my i moved into styling i did home stuff i did you know it's kind of these things that had a similar i acted for a while which yeah. i don't often talk about there you go. i could see you on the big um, screen thanks, thanks. <laughs> um and and i yeah i did those things that i felt like could give me some of that similar feeling that experience but um but nothing nothing really stuck and so i think that's where it's taken me on like maybe a more spiritual journey to understand like who I am without the dance, who I am without um, those identities and, and coming back to me because to be honest, I mean, this is maybe some ways in which I think a little bit different about the process of recovery is like, I never wanted to invest that like the person that I am now is like me (laughs) me in a healthier way like me like my identity being a recovered human right and that's like a really easy place to shift into and it's okay it's okay to be in that space for a while Mm -hmm. and that for that to become your identity but then that place got really frustrating to be in and it's like i am so much more Mm -hmm. than like not doing those things yes yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, because like people in in like AA and yeah. NA, they talk about how it may have been like years and years and years, but they'll still say like, "Oh, I'm in active recovery." Yes. Yeah, right. And it's part of that big identity piece, which again isn't like right or wrong. No. Like it's not a judgment statement, but it's interesting that you would see yourself there rather than like I am recovered. Yeah, and now this is like who I'm becoming. Yeah, yeah. I just think of it like if we were like to pull the film up off of ourselves is like the, the parts that were disordered or the parts that have addiction or the parts, you know, those are the layers. And we're just like, we're kind of like pulling them back to like access, like who, who, who is inside. I think of like, Oh my God, I don't even know if you guys have seen the movie cocoon. Cause it's so old, but like that, like, you know, alien glow life, form, yeah, yeah, like yeah. within, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. get, getting back to that instead of like, um, instead of like the reverse happening, that there's something inside me that's wrong, and therefore I am I am that person that has to be identified with. Right. Because at our core, you know, yeah. if you get to that inner child, you know, yeah. we're all beings that want to be loved, that want to love, that want to be nurtured, that want safety and food and shelter. Like that, our our core is ultimately 
good. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. wants health and wellness and happiness and all of those things. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. And I, <laughs> yeah. I think so. Well, I think that's where we all start for sure. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I have to believe that, right? Because you see it in people. And then when, when you see people who are, they have, they have layers, mm-hmm. right? And not all of those layers are good. Like to say, it's not that this person is inherently evil or bad yes. or broken or wrong. Whether outwardly or in, inwardly. Yeah. It's like, what are the things generational or traumas that you've experienced that have that have given you this current story but to know that if you can pull those things back that within there's nothing fundamentally broken or wrong about you yeah Yeah. that's really important and in some ways that flips the script of like you have to push past who you are or change who you are but it's like no no, you have to come back to yourself a hundred percent and this is um something that like i feel like it's, it's really beautiful that we are a society now that is curious about growth and like how we might shift. And we also run the risk of, um, uh, how am I going to describe this? But, but that very, that very same thing of like that we need to change. And by changing, we are then sort of assuring that we are fundamentally <laughs> not, we needed to change. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, when it's just like, how do I come back? How can I be, how can I move an inch towards myself today as yeah. opposed to like an inch farther away from myself? Yeah. Right. How can I really belong to myself instead of abandon myself? Mm. Well, language is so powerful in that sense. Like even like saying like, Oh, I'm in the growth mindset. Mm. Like it's kind of saying like you have to grow from who you are. So yeah. it's like almost wanting to evolve. Like evolution is natural, but I think acceptance is also part mm. of, part of that journey and wanting to distance from self is kind of like uh, perplexing in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's like modulating back and forth between like that acceptance and growth and acceptance and growth and like, yeah, yeah. Just being, yeah. More clear or more honest about like the pieces that need, need um, more tending to, or the pieces that like that don't, that actually just mm-hmm. need like to be claimed back. Yeah. Yeah. And it like is, that. that's, that's the tricky thing about language. Cause you could see growth as being like growing, growing back towards who you were. Mm-hmm. Like we don't, we yes. don't often see about it as like inward, yeah. Yes. but you're saying like, I'm growing into like the person that I've always been right. Or who I was like before the world told me who I should be. Right. Yeah. And to keep coming back in that sense. Like I remember one of the, there's like this uh, YouTube prayer of an examine where you kind of like it's a very ancient like jesuit mm. practice but this woman read it uh, kind of updated it in a new way and she begins the prayer by saying come home to yourself yeah. Yeah. come home and i remember the first time i saw i heard it i was just like oh because i had never heard someone like invite me back to myself and every time i listen to it it's just like exactly what i needed a reminder mm-hmm. to like this is home and like come back, like come back to the person that you are. And that's really the work, right? In so many ways is not trying to overcome or transcend, right? But to transcend and include who we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not to get away from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, beautifully put, beautifully put. It's important work. That's it, that's it. There we go. Yeah, we're good. good. And the sun's shining. And the sun comes in, here we Mm -hmm. go. The sun is always but, shining in Steve's at some point. Really? That's right. 
well, we we're, we kind of joke that we are like tourism Richmond, and we just try to lure people into this corner of mm. the world. But it is, <laughs> it is sunnier in Houston in Richmond than Vancouver. It was not like this when I left home, so. Um... I don't believe you. It's the conversation. Yeah. 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 Letting us up. But you know what? Isn't this interesting? Here we are talking about stuff that actually has like a lot of depth and like, yeah, for some people like that might even feel, you know, triggering or like, like there's despair, but then there's like this opening and like, I know that this is an actual moment where the sun is coming in, but there is this, this thing that happens when we, when we actually claim ourselves back is like, oh, I actually have more space. I have more, more space. Me identifying not as someone you know who's just in recovery is so much more spacious i can i can it might might be a risk in some ways but there's so many more ways where there's you know yeah it opens light up, to enter opens new doors and new branches form from your tree yeah yeah and it, and in an effort not to like minimize the reality of it right we got this literally outside in this moment that we're speaking and recording this the sun is shining through but it in some ways just illuminates that the rain is still falling yeah, yeah. so you have this brightness but it's by the brightness that you're like oh yeah those are still pretty big raindrops coming yeah. down in this like sunny moment yeah so they can both exist at the same time mm-hmm. which often <laughs> it's like only dark and rain or a beautiful mixture of the two right yeah definitely a rainbow out there right now oh yeah right or that what's the what's the saying in 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 hawaii like no rain no rainbows right and everyone loves to see a rainbow dina you got some good ones yeah absolutely (laughs) poetry happening here um can we talk about uh distorted eating and body image and body dysmorphia for a bit yeah i know we were talking pre-pod a little bit um I had kind of a light bulb moment when I was listening to Dotsie Botch on um, the Rich Roll podcast, and and uh, she was talking about you know eating disorders uh, in comparison to being in recovery from alcohol or drugs or or sex or other things. Whereas with food, you can't stop eating. Mm-hmm. With alcohol, you know the solution is to stop drinking or drugs. The solution is to stop doing the drugs. But with uh, disordered eating, you know, it's you need to create a new relationship with food while still having that food that is, you know, at that point, the damaging Mm -hmm. thing in the relationship. And I'd never kind of thought of that before, that um, the thing that's hurting you is also what you need to heal you. Yeah. Um, Can you kind of talk us through disordered eating and and body image and how to go from you know struggling to a place of of healing and acceptance and love and what that can look like yeah i mean i um it's gonna be hard to (laughs) hard hard to um, good questions yeah it's Hmm. it's a big question and it's an important one um yeah, I mean, you said you said a key word there when you're talking about, you know, in other other forms you would abstain, whereas this is like um, an invitation towards a, a, a different way of relating. It's a relationship, mm-hmm. and so it really calls forward how do we how do we mend this relationship without taking a break from it? <laughs> you know, yeah. like without because um, we can't we can't we need it. And we need it in order to, um, yeah, in order to 
sort of transcend the the real the real thing and maybe that's a a great place to start is that it's rarely ever about food mm-hmm. as it is rarely ever about drugs you know mm-hmm. we might get a different hit you know like people that consume alcohol that you know struggle with it uh, yeah they might have a have a very different sensation than say with food um But it's, yeah, mm, I just want to pause. I just want to pause in, in thinking about this and what feels helpful for people to know. I think there's just like such a spectrum of the way that people struggle with food. And the cool thing that is happening is that we're talking about it. Like we're talking about it right now. Mm-hmm. And someone may be listening and be like, I actually think like if I'm giving myself permission that like it it feels like something is off here. Like I don't, I don't feel happy or easy in this relationship. Um, and then there's people that really know it and, and they're having physical impacts. Um, and so, so just naming that all, all of them belong. And, and the cool part about having some more awareness about it is that hopefully we can access more support. Mm-hmm. Um, the practice of being in a different relationship with food is the practice of being with discomfort again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's I like that's being okay with discomfort is is a lesson we all need to learn in so many ways because we want to be comfortable and we want mm-hmm. to be cozy. But I think that learning and that discovery, whether it be with food or with travel or with business or with you know sport or athletics is learning to be in discomfort and navigate through that yeah like if, if you run a marathon you're going to be discomfort yeah you're, you're going to come up against something you're going to yeah. be in discomfort at some point but it doesn't mean you stop running you know if you're trying to launch a business there's going to be conversations that are uncomfortable there's going to be times that are are challenging but it doesn't mean you close your doors and stop doing business yeah um and maybe i'm like totally simplifying things uh which is you know not fair to other struggles but i think there's like with anything there's a a spectrum of of where you are with these relationships Mm -hmm. yeah and Absolutely. And, and, and it is more complex and it's also not right. And, and it's important to name that there's so many reasons why, mm-hmm. why we're going to food with this stuff. And, and so maybe that's also help, helpful in understanding like why, why discomfort? Like, why yeah. is that what I have to experience? And, and I should say, because we are talking so much about discomfort that like as, as human beings, this is actually like a really important functionality because if we feel this sort of pain it's to gear us away from it Mm -hmm. so it's it's just that we're kind of gearing away from the wrong types of discomfort right um and so just like compassion empathy for that like that is a that is a working mechanism Mm -hmm. but you know i think especially when it comes to food there are a lot of themes around control Mm -hmm. um that that just make it a perfect candidate you mm-hmm. know like if i'm feeling like a lack of control or a lack of safety in my life 
then this is really something that I can find that with, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then, you know, there, there's more core reasons why we might have those struggles with, with food, and that might be helpful to talk about. But then, you know, moving outwards, if we were to zoom outwards, th- we're in this, like, this Petri dish, this culture that actually is supporting a lot of these behaviors in coexisting so that they can be things unfortunately that um do kind of go unnoticed Mm -hmm. we talked about how you know people might comment on someone's weight or saying you look so much healthier and these are the things that actually feed this sort of negative um really critical voice within that has control over over food yes right and and so it, and so it just grows and and um, you know even even healthy stuff and I'm sure you guys have had conversations about this where you know um, I think yeah maybe it's going back to this like quick fix thing but like we we all want to just feel good mm-hmm. like we want to feel healthy and we want to feel happy and so if we know that it's going to be you know the cleanse or we know it's going to be this thing like maybe I'll do that yeah and then that becomes another solution and then that enters us into this loop that if I do this, then I might feel this way. And then for some of us, we just, that, that loop becomes a perpetuating kind of diet culture. Yeah. It just, it works. Mm, Right. Right. Like I I often say, and I'm I'm sure you guys are familiar with Gabor Mate. He really believes that there's a reason why, his clients when he was working with drugs like there's a there's a reason why they're using and it's not the drugs right it's often this trauma and 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 with eating disorders and with disordered eating even like it works until it doesn't Mm -hmm. like it is really satisfying a need in that person's life and and that's sometimes the hard part to understand if you haven't struggled with it is that this actually this is this is supporting the human Mm. right until it's not Right. It reaches a point. Yes. So much, so much to unpack. Um, so did you find on your journey, and maybe this is still part of your journey, I don't know. Um, like, was there a moment when you're like, I love, and maybe you always loved food, but did mm. you find there was a time that you're like, I love food again, or mm. I love eating again, or like, how did you recreate that relationship with, you know, three meals a day, snacks, all of that. How did it go from a place? How did it go to a place of love? Eventually? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'll try not to oversimplify this, but I think probably for the sake of it being, you know, like this conversation in a yeah. short amount of time, um, that's all that's maybe necessary. But um, outside of the emotional processing, I mean, embodiment is a huge part of this journey. And I would say that, if we can, if we can master the embodiment, being in these human bodies with the feelings that we're feeling, that relationship with food has, we got potential. We yeah. got potential. Okay. So we have to be able to house whatever it is going on. Mm. Um, and, and again, rarely it has to do, I mean, I think people could get to the place where they're like, I hate food. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I know that there was moments of that for me, but again, because it wasn't about food, like I always loved food. I right. always wanted to eat. So complex. Eh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I always, 
Like I always wanted to create, I wanted to make, I wanted to eat the food. I, you know, it was just like not being allowed, like not giving myself this permission because of this like deep shame that I felt and this such lack, lack of worth that I didn't deserve what was there. And so embodying that, what it was like to be in this sort of shame filled body and this sort of guilt ridden body um, being with those feelings, you know, taking years and time and patience, everything we're talking about. And then laying simplicity, like there's such elegance in simplicity, which is, you know, if someone, if someone has an eating disorder, someone has even disordered eating, we might have to just get so simple about, you know what, it is just three times a day. Mm-hmm. You might not love it. You yeah. might not love it. But that's where it just begins because your body is trying to trust you. Mm-hmm. And so you got to lay the groundwork so that, so that your body knows that, that you got it. Mm-hmm. And once that happens, then it's like maybe there's a give and, give and take, okay. right? So it's like almost this deep programming um, or unlearning of like, you know, those behaviors that I felt like were really healthy for me are not so healthy. So it just has to look like a bit of a formula. And I think that's probably the only place a formula (laughs) really Mm. works. But it's like, in order to inhabit this body and be willing to be with what's there, yeah, I'm going to eat three meals a day and I'm going to eat three three snacks and I'm going to explore in time what intuitive eating looks like. And we're Mm. big on that one right now, right? Yeah, let's talk about that. Can you you share what intuitive eating is and why it's important? Mm. What is it? I don't know <laughs> that I can define it. I think um, oh, what it is to you. Yeah, what it, what it is to me is being able to listen to my body, listen to my soul, and be able to execute um, taking care of it on behalf of those needs. Mm-hmm. Right, being able to converse with myself and and deliver. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And from it being a place of honesty. Yeah. Not um, the narrative. Right. The hmm. narrative of like criticism or perfection or all of those things that come in. Yeah. Those cannot coexist with intuitive eating. And it kind of takes away like I think there's so much noise in the diet world, in the diet culture. There's paleo, vegan, yeah. plant based, uh, carnivore, like there's everything. Yeah. And like they're all the healthiest diet in the world. Yeah. It kind of like is like push that away. Yeah. I'm going to like take in what feels good for me. Totally. Mm. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Well, and even how you said like body and soul, mm-hmm. right? It's the physical and beyond that like factors into this equation of like feeling good and, and being intuitive when it comes to like feeding ourselves. Right. Yeah. Cause it is such a, like a sacred moment. Right. It's so intimate. Yeah. It is the most, in- like one of the most intimate things. We're yeah. like, replacing nourishment in our bodies. Yes. And it could be with like, I intuitively know a cookie is going to make me happy. Right. Yeah, you know? totally. It might not be what like, no, this is my body wants to go run a marathon, but I know I'm going to eat that cookie and it's going to light me up yeah. for that two minutes. Yeah. So I always say yes. Yeah. I love that. Tasty. I love that. Vegan cookie. And yeah, yeah. I mean, that is what in, in intuitive is, is like, yeah, just being open to all aspects. And I always say the one warning sign that I look out for with intuitive eating is often it's a place where a lot of people who have had unhealthy relationships with food, we're Mm -hmm. kind of labeling them today, but like unhealthy relationships with food, they want to move into intuitive eating. Um, 
but sometimes even that process just takes like some patience yeah because there's so many parts that we still pull and be like yeah well i want this thing but that's not a good thing or like this perfection well i didn't have i didn't i had that yesterday right right yeah so it's it's just really being like so unfiltered and accepting of whatever it is that's calling your body forward yeah yeah there's such a funny hierarchy like treats yeah healthy like kale's healthy Mm. that's ice cream's a treat you know like i think i see with my kids i think like it's such an easy way to like dessert is something fun and exciting Mm -hmm. and like like oh kale like (laughs) you know so we don't always practice it but i do realize it at lunchtime because we put the dessert and the quote-unquote healthy food and everything in between the carbs and the proteins yeah it all goes into his lunchbox finn's lunchbox and he comes home and it's all gone for the most part sometimes he doesn't eat it all but i'm like i don't know maybe he started with the cookie maybe he started with the chocolate totally like maybe like he had that and that got his appetite going and then he ate like the the other things you know like but we have this like you know, have to have my kale salad and then I can have my treat mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah, these you know, conditions. These and conditions, that's where the yeah. diet culture is, per, you know, it's like, it's invasive. Yeah. Know? It's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's such a huge market. Like we're talking so intimately and personally, but like the flip side of that is like, there are so many people with dollar signs is all they care about and nothing sells like a diet. Yeah. And the the whole root of it is preying upon the fact that people aren't satisfied with themselves yes. and they feel like I can follow this thing or pay this money or do this, whatever it might be in order to like be better yeah. or finally achieve the perf- the quote unquote perfect body or eat this many calories so that I can be in a calorie deficit to like lose these extra five pounds that are like so hard to lose according to this magazine or this Instagram post or mm-hmm. looking like this celebrity selling whatever kind of tea on, yeah. on the, on the gram. Yeah. It's like the promise of being able to be a different person. Yeah. Like you do this, you get to be someone else other than someone other than who whom you are. Yeah. Which is the opposite yeah. of coming back to yourself. Exactly. Right. Which is crazy. And we do, we're chasing something that we'll never get. Yeah. Right. And so it, sets us up to be perpetually chasing and unhappy and unsatisfied and that can tip into like not loving ourselves at all yeah or worse right like hating who we are yeah yeah there's one thing i was i feel called to say when you're just talking about this and and the word acceptance has come up and i often sometimes people don't like when i bring in the word acceptance into this journey because they want to be able to love themselves mm-hmm. and they've gone from like this hate into love or, or that that's what they, they would hope would happen. Yeah. But the acceptance has to be, it's the gateway. Right. And it's not alluring as like, I love myself or I, you know, it's not alluring as alluring as some of these body positivity statements, but it's a place in which we might actually get there. And so it is one of the most important, crucial parts it's a a step yeah oh yeah it's a part of the the process yeah yeah i've never thought about that that way Yeah. because it is so you want to be like i love myself but to even say like 
I accept myself. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's like right in the present. A hundred percent. And that's a that's like that's a weird statement to even say because yeah. no like nobody's talking about that. Yeah. Can you just accept? Because it has to be like be better. Yeah. Keep going. Grow. Extend. Go beyond. And to just say no, like, can you just accept who you are? Yeah. And like, not even necessarily like I don't I don't hear you saying like be happy with that. No. Nope. But just like find neutral. Neutral. I accept this. Yeah. Ooh. And that's that, a practice. And that's why, and there is a little bit more awareness coming forward about, you know, the challenges with the body positivity movement is that is because it actually has a way, um, not meaning to that it distances people that feel like they can't access that. It's like, it dismisses, like if, if I don't feel good about myself, then again, there must be something really wrong with me, yeah. but opening the door to this n- neutrality just says like, you know, one of my greatest affirmations is like, here I am, Mm. here I am, here I am. Like, just like nothing need be different. Here's me right now. And we'll, we'll take stock in the next point. Right. And, and that's, that's the life changing work of, of acceptance. And I think we just kind of look at acceptance sometimes like it's apathetic, like it, you know, like it's, it's choosing, I, yeah. Yeah. It's just not as appealing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're not doing, you're not doing the full work if you're not getting to the point where you love yourself, Yeah. but actually it's maybe harder. Yeah. It's harder to sit in a place of acceptance and, and be new, like be okay with that. Yeah. Right. Or just like, no, this is, yeah. this is me right now. Here I am. Yeah. Is that something that you, uh, like journey towards with people that you're working? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and that's where I think some of my work in mindfulness has has come in and filtered through my own personal experience with, with acceptance. Um, but yeah, so if we are, you know, taking that, um, sort of formula that I mentioned, like where someone's just like learning how to eat again, Mm -hmm. it's like, how can we infuse that with acceptance? Like here I am, this doesn't, this doesn't feel good and, and I can do this right. And I can be with this. Um, and so whether it's actually how we're relating to food or it's how we're observing our body, um, that has, that has to be part of the road that we walk. Right. And it just helps to build that capacity of, of how much tolerance there is in this space to actually, yeah, belong to ourselves. Hmm. I think acceptance in a lot of ways leads to possibility too. Like if we accept I am here and we accept our surrounding situations, we're able to make decisions that will allow us to go where we want from there. Um, like I think I'm using, sometimes I use sports analogies cause it's simpler for me to like understand things. But if you accept like I can jump this high or I can do, I'm physically capable to do this. Or when you're in dance, you like accept your, what you're naturally given. I think it allows you to be the best version of that, that's that version of yourself because, mm-hmm you're not trying to be Michael Jordan or you're not trying to be Wayne Gretzky. Um, like you see kids on the basketball court, like going like Kobe or MJ and they're trying to like mimic someone that they can't be right, when they're just right. like, if you're just like, here I am. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you might be able to become a better version of that yeah. player mm-hmm. versus trying to like set your sights on the best. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm rambling here. No, no, not at all acceptance all around mm-hmm. yeah. you, so, uh, sorry there's there's a quote 
on your Instagram. You have lots of good quotes. Yeah. Thanks. If, if you're listening to this you and you, you don't follow Kate on Instagram, as if sure anyone you... needs more quotes in their lives. No, but there. Well, some. <laughs> so I love good quotes. <laughs> some some you can unfollow. <laughs> some some quote accounts you can unfollow. But yours, I love. I love when I see them, and oftentimes you'll layer them, and it's on like mm-hmm. a theme. But one, I was like, I swear, I had seen this, and you posted it uh, about a month or so ago now. But it was on the um, topic of embodiment, which mm. we've been talking about. And then kind of this, as soon as you said, like, neutral, mm. feeling neutral towards it. You have this great quote. And I just want to read it out. And if you have anything to add, please, please yeah. do. You say, embodiment is not about feeling positive in your body or with positive, negative, sensa- or positive emotions or sensations for it. But rather, it is the ability to remain within your feeling body mm-hmm. despite it all. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's so good. Exactly. Because that's just like, I when you're like, it's neutral, here I am. Like that was, and I was like, you said, you said something like this. Yeah. And I think that that's why, like, you know, that culture that's sort of obsessed on like, maybe like toxic positivity, where mm-hmm. we kind of get that thing where like, ooh, if this doesn't feel good, then, then hmm. some, something needs to change. Yeah. And it's like, no, maybe I just need to inha- like allow myself to inhabit it. You know, I think that old adage that like we think when we start to cry that we'll never stop crying and it's like it hasn't happened yet. Mm. Right. So like if we actually but what what will influence that from happening is us shutting ourselves off from those emotions that it will keep touching into every aspect of our day. So, yeah, it is. It's it's about about being in this feeling body, this feeling human suit and and deciding or claiming ourselves within it Hmm. it's so so important to not cut ourselves off from who we are and what we're experiencing yeah yeah we were talking about jonah hill's post before Mm -hmm. and how that you know created some waves and he basically said that it's not a positive experience for people to comment on his body so please stop and uh you know we were talking about how like women have been saying this for a long time that was i i love that that was that was what zach led with was but wait a second when women have been saying this for a long time so thank you for that yeah it's true yeah women have been saying for a long time and jonah hill said it and like it was this like bomb went off like oh we should stop commenting (laughs) on people's bodies it took 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 a a man to say what women have been saying forever but I think the core of what he's saying is really important. And mm-hmm. I think like that maybe I'm simplifying too many things today, but I think like we never go into a forest and like judge a tree or a plant by its size. And we're like, mm-hmm. that tree is too big mm-hmm. or that tree is too small mm-hmm. or like, like we can just appreciate nature for what it is, but we like project these harmful ideas onto people based on how, how they look. Yeah. Um, when it's really should be shit. How, how do you feel? Yeah. Like, do you feel or good? Who are you? Who are you? Are you happy? Yeah. yeah. Um, but how do we, how do we change? Where does it start for culture to stop mm. projecting? Their, their shit. Their shit. <laughs> yeah. Onto other people's bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, um being i guess being willing to mm-hmm. i mean that's a start i mean i actually think some people have no desire to because they're so shut off from like realizing that yeah. 
realizing the impacts or realizing how it means to them. Yeah. Like a lot of those comments on, you know, his body or a body yeah. is a reflection of what someone else is feeling. Just projecting our own insecurities. Yeah. yeah. Like if, if he, if he lost weight or if he, you know, may, maybe I can too, or maybe that's a case for me, right? right. It, it brings up like our own relationship with ourselves, And that's yeah. why it's so fascinating to comment on. Yes. And people just feel so hooked into it. And, and again, like there's this way in which we actually think we've disguised that as being a positive thing, like this weird sort of compliment, like, you you know you look did you lose weight yeah yeah like it's so yeah. it's so strange and maybe yeah. i have like i will say i feel like i'm so fortunate to the, do the work that i do having the experience that i've had yeah because like i can literally try and detect like i, I, I hear it mm -hmm. and it doesn't necessarily bother me the same way but at least in that container of that hour yeah that i have with people yeah that they're not going to experience that right Right, and that like there's all those triggers. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that everywhere. Everyone's like the minute you head out the door, the minute you go try on jeans, the minute you right. open an Instagram, you know, um, yeah. Mm. And people do it like with the best of intentions, even mm -hmm. right? Like they want to, they think, oh, maybe so and so has been like working out, or right. like you know the classic line, like watching what they eat. And so people say it from a place of like they're they're trying to be helpful and encouraging. Hey, like you look great. You've lost some weight. Well, first of all, it's like you're commenting that you've noticed that the person before was like larger yep. and maybe uh -huh. didn't weren't as excited about yeah, them. Yeah, so that's weird right off the bat. <laughs> right you're off like the you're bat. noticing something about yeah, me. Right? Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, you weren't as like valuable before or yeah. like I didn't see you the same way, but now like, oh, you look different. Yeah. And so oh, I'm going to make yeah. a comment about it. Yeah. Right? It's like weird. It's a yeah. weird thing that we do. Yeah. And and people do it, I think, with good intentions, but they yeah. don't realize like how those messages are received by mm -hmm. someone who maybe is like not okay with themselves. And then those reinforce, like as you said, like that that system. Oh, it's a loop. It and it works. Yeah. And so when you get positive affirmations from people, all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, it's working. Yeah. And you keep going, right? And it's just, it's strange to me that like people, and it's happened to me before, like I moved out, you know, my, my mom, I love her so much, but like she had the treat cupboard yeah. and like, that's just what I would eat. Like I just eat junk food because I was this yeah. young kid and like didn't really pay attention. And you know, you're doing all this athletic stuff. And then when I stopped doing that and kept eating the same way, like I just wasn't, I didn't need, I didn't need that much food anymore because I wasn't mm -hmm. as active. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, weight gain started happening. And then I realized like, oh, this is a moment where I'm like, I, I'm like really big. Mm. And it was like, oh crap. And then I felt bad about myself. Like yeah. I need to do something to change this. Yeah. And then you go through this process. And I mean, I was not living uh, healthily anyway. Mm -hmm. So, but I wasn't making those changes because of that. And then you come to the other side of it and people are like, oh man, like you lost so much weight. Like you look so good. And I distinctly remember having a conversation with someone who's like, what did you do? Yeah, what are you doing? It's like, what's your secret? Yeah. And I was like, well, I just like stopped eating like bad, like bad foods, yeah, air, quotes, air quotes, right? Stopped eating bad foods and like started running all the time and exercising. And I remember this person being like, oh, like, oh, that's brutal. Because for them, it was like, what's the quick fix? Yeah. Like, how did you do it? And yeah. it was like, well, it was hard. Yeah. And I gave up a lot of stuff that I loved and like, was 
punishing myself. Yeah. Right. It wasn't like, oh, I'm caring for my body. I want to be healthy. It was like, I need to be less. I yeah. need, there needs to be less of me. And so like pushing through that was kind of, it was like a, a couple moments of awareness, but having people make comments about weight, yeah, weight loss, appearance. You become so hyper aware. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're in it and people notice, it's like, oh, it's better than a hundred Instagram likes mm-hmm. when someone in person says to you, wow, have you lost weight? Yeah. And it's like, but it's so damaging because yeah. it just reinforces all of that stuff that you're participating in. Yeah. Not in a healthy way. So anyway, I, <laughs> I'm going to echo that. I just think it's so important that you named that and you spoke of that mm-hmm. because, um, yeah, I think I, I want to mention again that like, there's this like interesting thing that's happening where we are leaving certain, um, humans out of the conversation of like who belongs to this. And like, as human beings, our relationship with food, um, we, we all experience it. And so certainly, um, you know, I think that it's so important that we have this, um, this, we're on a trajectory where we're definitely trying to decenter. Um, the experience of, you know, white men from this, from conversations. Yeah. And, and within this conversation around food, body, it is imperative that we welcome all into this. And that means also having conversations where men talk vulnerably about their experience, where they get support because they are often not supported in this. And obviously this isn't the only group, right? There's, there's so many groups, um, you know, I, yeah yeah so it's 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 so important that that like that we're having having these conversations and sharing what our experience in our bodies are mm. um because someone else is having them too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah as i said to a couple of people that i work with they're both they're both like women of color mm-hmm. <laughs> i said the other day i was like oh yeah i've like feel like i've kind of found my feet here they've been doing this job for much longer than me and are amazing at it and I was like, I feel like I'm like figuring things out. I'm like, the first month I had total imposter syndrome. And one of them was like, wait, you get that too? And I was like, yeah, yeah believe it or yeah. not, yeah. me with all of my privilege yeah. and like accessibility, yeah, still have yeah. At least I, I was like, at least I, I hope I'm honest enough that I can admit it and feel mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe other people don't have it, but I was like, I sure, yeah. but it was like this moment where it's kind of like half joking, but also like naming a truth that's like, oh, yeah. You can have that too. Yeah. And so anyway, it's just, uh, I don't know why I shared that, but <laughs> no. we're taking up space. Well, I'm taking up space. Yeah. Again. It's a white male. It's, 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 it's really quiet. Yeah. Yeah. I do think with, there's a lot of male body dysmorphia, mm-hmm. um, and it's demasculating to talk about, you know? Like, yeah. So I think it is, you know, I think we do take up space and we need to give space to others as, as white males. But I think with body image, there's healing for, for men as well. Yes, And absolutely. acceptance for, I think, going back to the acceptance, like accepting ourselves and accepting our bodies because I think there is that projection of wanting to be like those bodies you see on Instagram or uh, wanting to be more than or less than or different than in in all bodies Mm -hmm. so i think um acceptance is definitely like a a good place to to be yeah yeah and yeah you know these the threads of like you know those expectations of how how men are are supposed to obviously it's different how how women feel 
they're supposed to. And yes. um, I think that's where like that toxic, toxic masculine masculinity yeah. really comes into play. Yes. That like, it hasn't even been fair yeah. for you guys, you yeah. know, like you haven't, yeah. you haven't had an opportunity. Um, I think that is one in like the male story is like not, not having the ability to be vulnerable yeah. or to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, you know, suck it up and keep going or yeah. like man up, be or strong, be or... strong, mm-hmm. be tough. Boys don't cry kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think that's changing like a lot of these narratives. Yeah. But I think having conversations allows for others to, to have those conversations as well. And it hopefully will mm-hmm. create a healthier scenario around self and, and, and self love. Yeah. Well, and I think if we, if we look at it critically, like, the culture of toxic masculinity has created a culture where disordered eating is the norm. I am jumping in there. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. That's the, I mean, that's a thing. Mm -hmm. Because without that, like so much of it is male driven by what is deemed as desirable or good or appropriate. And it's not new because all you have to do is look at a history textbook or some old art and you see that what men valued as beautiful or attractive is very different mm-hmm. 500 years ago, 200 years ago, 150 years ago, 70 years ago than it is now. Mm-hmm. And I think we often forget that it is so unfair that the target is always changing mm-hmm. and nobody names that, mm-hmm. right? You look at Rembrandt's and these different depictions of beauty and young women and men today would look at those and go, if I looked like that, I would not value myself. Mm-hmm. And yet that was the picture of beauty. Mm-hmm. Not that long ago. Well, we've, we've extracted what beauty really is. To- right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think like it's such a shame that like now when we hear the word beauty, we have it an association of what that looks like mm-hmm. when it's, it's very different. And perhaps even if feeling like when you're talking about those paintings, right? Like beauty is, is actually so important in our, in our world. And we've sort of lost the, lost the, 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 the plot there. Yeah, a we've totally bit. minimized it. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, when I think of beauty, going back to trees and nature, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll, be on a hike or a run or something and I'll be like wow this nature is beautiful yeah and it'll it'll actually connect me to the nature yeah instead of like I, th- I feel like that's like a healthier relationship with beauty than being like that person's beautiful I want mm-hmm. t- I want that I want to be like that I want to have that I want to you know a, a, a space of wanting versus appreciating yeah and or um, to. you know if I appreciate the beauty in nature i'm going to be more likely to care about nature protect it um be active in you know having that as a value standpoint and wanting there to be trees for for more people um like it's kind of like a positive trail mm-hmm. versus like if i'm like kate's a beautiful person mm-hmm. um maybe i'm like where'd you get that shirt where'd yeah. you get those shoes yeah. instead of being like wow, Kate's doing all these amazing things. Yeah. How can I support that? How can I like, um, you know, be a part of of facilitating to make sure there's more Kates in the world, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it's a funny thing. Uh-huh. It's a funny thing. It is. Well, there's a lot of chapters that uh, I'm interested in, in, in your journey. Yeah. And so did, did the 
kind of transition through dance and and disordered eating did that lead to your your journey as a as a healer and um as a nutritionist and counselor yeah. is that what, what kind of led to that chapter in your life yeah absolutely absolutely um i maybe naively i've said this before but i feel as though if i could get better that anyone can yeah um lead by example i still kind of believe that to be true um but it's so hard because it's really it's just so dependent on on what on what you know where someone's at but yeah i um i started studying i just started studying things i mean the, the best education is my experience and mm-hmm. it my experience was vast and intense and painful and beautiful and all of those things mm-hmm. um but when i when i became a healthy a healthy human or a healthier human then i first went to school to be a counselor and then I finished that and I was like, there's no way, there's no way I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for this. I need to be like a young wild woman. Yeah. Um, and in some ways I still <laughs> don't feel that. Um, Got to run with the wolf still. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's something I think about, but um, yeah. So I, I, I put that off to the side for a while and it wasn't until, um, you know, experiencing another relapse and, and like this steep descent and this steep ascent back to like who I was, um, that I went to school for nutrition mm-hmm. and, um, and then it was very clear in those moments. It was like, ah, I need to, I need to merge these things together because they, they, they go together, they belong. And, um, and, and I felt like I had the material or the resource to, to support humans, um, in a way that I found important which is just leading with curiosity mm-hmm. following it up with compassion um and and that's where my work began um what shifted over the years is that i think that um um you know i just keep wanting to ask questions of how i can help people more and that's made me more interested in other modalities mm-hmm. and that's where breath work that's where embodiment that's where energy stuff you know i'm just gonna call it label it stuff (laughs) um comes into play because you know maybe i think we kind of touched on it a little bit but we we can only talk our way out of it so much as we can feel it Mm. and and that was the one thing that i kept noticing in in some clients and in, in honesty, myself was like, you know, I can cognitively process a lot of stuff and I have, and being in this feeling body is actually where the most expansion has happened, where yeah. the most healing has happened. And so it's like, how do, how do we merge this understanding that we have stories to tell, they need to be heard. And then how can we, um, how can how can we bring that all back into this bodily experience of sensations, of feelings, of emotions, um, and 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 access some healing there too? So, um, yeah, embodiment is just such a huge part of, mm-hmm. of the process of healing. 
Um, and so can't just it can't just stay up here. So can you explain what embodiment means to mm. you? These are such good questions. There's like a simplicity to them that's sometimes like uh, like off 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 putting, <laughs> you know. Embodiment to me, yeah, means the despite it all. Like what 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 I say in that quote. It means inhabiting my human bodysuit despite what is happening, despite what I'm experiencing. Um, that's what embodiment means to me. I love that. Yeah. When you talk about breath work, mm -hmm. something that, uh, like when we chatted with Allie, Matt, she talked about yeah. it, and I picked up a book that she recommended, James Nestor's mm -hmm. Breath. Mm -hmm. So good. Uh, how, does, how does breath work... Um, come into like part of your practice with people, you know, walking through uh, disordered eating, or they've come, they've come to see you, and this is a this is something that they're experiencing. And how do you introduce that as a way of like uh, a healing modality for them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I think it's really, yeah, it's it's very it it has to be something that the individual is really interested in because I think it's a very brave journey breath work mm -hmm. um i think there are many versions of breath work but the the one that i subscribe to in practice is can be really activating it can be um it can bring up a lot of of sensations so where i see it being really beneficial and often have that conversation is you know we're talking about a lot of things but we're not actually seeing that there's a place where you that belonging to yourself is really happening or i notice that emotions feel really hard for you to experience what if instead we try something that allows you know some layers of your subconscious to get to have some room right and and so really just um yeah really just inviting them into the possibility that this could be a place of like a bit of alchemy yeah you know that that maybe some of the work that we're doing um can melt away into into the skin and, and, and we can breathe it out and we can see what we um, excavate is too, too big a word, but what we can excavate from like these deep places of, of our hurts, of our wounds, of our joys, of, yeah, our emotional embodied experience. Yeah, that's awesome. It's so cool what you're doing. I, I really think that you represent and are the healer that, um, you know, the modern world needs bringing in just kind of the mind body soul to the human experience and using breath work and spirituality and mindfulness and and holistic approach to food and all of that i think like it's what's needed to heal and evolve and change change our, our story uh in so many ways so you know i just want to give thanks for thanks, for, for what you so do nice. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah. I mean it. Um, I mean, I, when I think about breath work, I just even think about like anxiety and tension. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm getting frustrated, I'm like, I'm not breathing. Yeah. I'm holding my breath. Yeah. And as soon as I go back to breath, then things start to calm down. I start to relax. But uh, when yeah. I'm angry or frustrated, it's like the first thing I notice is that I'm holding my breath. Yeah, yeah, we cut off from that experience. And even breath itself is like, is an embodied experience. We yeah. like expand our lungs. We fill our belly, Yeah, right? We connect to these 
powerful energy centers like the you know the belly or the womb space the chest the heart space the throat yeah. you know these are all these main centers of yeah. of um expression mm-hmm. um so when we when we when we have some synchronicity there or we um put a lot of intention there there's there's some good some good stuff that happens yeah yeah it's one of those one of those ancient practices that we we've always known about and it's yeah. always been right literally as close as our breath yeah. Yeah. and and we've missed it or or downplayed the significance of it and then you know it's so cool to see people like you bringing it into um, spaces where maybe it hasn't been brought before yeah. as a way of like open literally opening people up to what they might have closed themselves off from uh, just by simply accessing and utilizing our breath as a means of like healing yeah yeah just just with a breath like there's a few things that so i want to say dean also to such like a just an important acknowledgement that this is this is an ancient technique and this isn't you know uh i'm i'm so grateful to be able to practice it through the lens of you know the layers of my work and there's so many others that are that are practicing this and of ancestral traditions right like uh, it's a privilege to be able to, to, to work with that kind of medicine. Right. Um, and it's just so important to name, right. Because I think in the field of wellness spaces, there are so many people, white women taking over, like that, this is something, you know, that that's theirs. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, it's mm-hmm. not at all. Um, we get to practice it and, and, and we're lucky enough to practice it. Um, but but it goes it goes so it goes so far back and there's like yeah uh the simplicity of just the breath being able to do so much i just think is incredibly empowering you know again this idea of like us feeling kind of like we're broken and and needing to go to someone or something to fix us and this is the exact opposite i may hold like i may hold some of the ground with you so that you know that you're okay Mm mm-hmm and you're doing it like this is that's all you yeah that breath happening is has i'm not controlling it you are doing it you are doing the breath no nothing else and there's something so beautiful and empowered about like taking your own healing in your hands that way yeah even when you might see yourself as like a mess yeah broken to be like no i'm still empowered yeah to be embodied yeah and working on myself I might have a guide or a helper alongside yeah. me, but I'm doing, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, for saying that. Yeah. And thanks for acknowledging too. I think the the tradition that is so, so many things in, in, in wellness and in healing practices, it's like, we're not keepers of wisdom nope. or practices. We, we are gifted and like the opportunity to be stewards of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes maybe that gets lost whereas people think it's theirs to hold. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There we go. Mm. <laughs> take a big breath. Yeah. yeah. If you're listening, take a big breath right yeah. now. That was good. Well, I think, I mean, there's a lot of places that I want to go, but I feel like, uh, I mean, I think we could save some of it for another episode or another chapter. Like, I'd love to get into your, you know, I love talking, you know, food with you. Mm. And, you know, you always have the best little cabinet of, of goodies, whether they're mushrooms or probiotics or, you know, there's always all sorts of interesting Fun things stuff. in your office. And, you know, I think your, your, your approach to spirituality is, is something that we'd love to get into. But, uh, 
I feel like we've, we've tackled a lot there. Yeah. And it's a lot for people to take in and mm-hmm. process. And I kind of want to give honor kind of what you shared and, and the space that it holds and allow for people to to kind of sit with it and take it in without putting too much on the plate. Yeah. To use uh I love that. To use a a food food analogy. Mm-hmm. Uh but maybe we could do a little bit of we like to do a little bit of rapid fire and oh, then, I love uh, rapid fire. Okay. And then we can save the rest because we like to, you know, keep good people coming back. So I would love to come back s- and talk save more it for and yeah. Around two. And around three and four and five and six and all that. Um, okay. This is one we ask everybody because we're obsessed with, uh, you know, books and things of influence. Um, is there a book that you have gifted most in your life or a book that you, you know, find yourself recommending a lot to others? It could be a couple books. It doesn't have to be one. I don't think I've gifted it the most, but it's definitely has been the most impactful, I think. Maybe I should gift it more. Um, <laughs> there you go. Is uh, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Nice. You got it on yourself? I think it's, I think it's packed away because we moved recently, but yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a game-changing book. That kind of was one of the books that... Uh, that with like Celestine Prophecy and The Way of the Peaceful Warrior kind of... The power, what was the other one? The four agreements. I kind of read those all around the same time, and it was like I felt brought new awareness into my life. Those those books. Yeah, yeah. I that one I have. I have the, my original, and it's like water stained and <laughs> highlighted and crinkly, and um, yeah, it shows how much how much time we've spent together. That's me, and, sign, me and Eckhart. That's the signs of a good book. Yeah, yeah, like if right. there's like. Some people keep their books like pristine, like oh, no, use no. a bookmark. There's and you're DNA like, in that book. Yeah, that's the sign of a good book, yeah. you know, whether it's a recipe book or, or whatnot. Like the more life that you see in that book, the more life that it's given in a way. Yeah. That's right. If it's not like marked up and highlighted and watermarked, have you even read it? Yeah. Like, that's how, yeah. That's exactly. How I feel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know you got, you got any? Yeah. So you talked about yourself as a kid. Mm-hmm. So rapid, keeping with the rapid fire kind of, vibe yeah but like if you could go back to your nine-year-old self or Mm -hmm. 12-year-old self like a few words of guidance or wisdom for the journey ahead what might you say oh this is where like it's meant to be rapid but like it doesn't have to be part of me was like nothing i don't know Mm -hmm. that i would say I, i don't there was a part of me that was like don't be scared. I'm like, no, you have every right to be scared. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't. I'd say I love you. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I'd say I love you. Yeah. So funny because I have my next question for Rapid Hot Fire. I have it like written right here. What does love mean to you? Our rapid fire questions are yeah, deep. They're, they're, yeah, they're deep. Sorry, guys. I, <laughs> hey, it's not, not firing um, quickly there. It's just so big. It's so big. What does love mean to me? Or self-love? It, it, mean, it means a place to land. Mm. It means a place to land and like actually land, like put your shoulders down. There we go. Yeah, to like sit. Yeah, to feel the earth. It's a place to land. Okay, true rapid fire. Okay. Once all the once all the restrictions are lifted and everything's 
quote unquote back to normal yeah. was the first place you go Hawaii yeah yeah he's yeah. a Hawaii guy too you guys gotta oh, go things waves together yeah. yeah it's magic it really is it's it's such a sacred place yeah which fruit or food do you think of when you think of Hawaii mm. mangoes yeah from mana foods Ooh. Ooh. when when i went to hawaii yeah. like three years ago yeah. i you had the best guy like i remember like the oh, coconut yogurt yeah. that you recommended oh, it was yeah. like life-changing they don't that company is no longer oh no yeah but yeah we, we i got, mean we got yogo foods here now which is yes like, which is good but that was like vancouver's version yeah yeah um, you, you had a great if you if you're thinking about going to hawaii i think it lives on your website yeah somewhere. i think i have a uh yeah, like a Maui Maui guide. I pretty much followed um, it the whole time I was there. Oh, like I'm so checked glad. off all the boxes. I love that. And it I was like that. every everything you recommended was like a ten. So Oh, mm. uh, okay, I've got a fun one for you. This is Gian Pablico's question. Oh. Yeah. He's, did he is this like throughout all of the episodes that um Gian so we had no we had Gian on okay. recently and he asked us a question. Okay. So I'm repurposing it. Okay. I like yeah, that. he that's that's a wise man. Yeah, I love Gian. Yeah. So okay, he asked if you could take if you could go for dinner with anybody that was living, that is living. Okay. Who would you go for there's the second part of this question. So first part, if you can go for dinner with anybody, have a couple hours of their time to share conversation, food, company, all that, who would you go for dinner with? Anyone. Anyone. I feel like there's a trick question in this, but like... Well, you know it's Jan, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, all, 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 my husband. Like, I couldn't spend enough time with my husband, mm, so... Okay. Yeah. And now, if you were to give that experience to somebody else... Yeah. You can't make it. Something came up. You yeah. know, you gotta, you gotta be in Hawaii for some reason. Yeah. And you can no longer make that dinner. Yeah. You're like, sorry, husband, I can't yeah. be there. Yeah. Who would you give that experience to? So I'm giving them the experience or the opportunity to have dinner with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> the opportunity to have dinner with your husband. Mm. I love that you answered your husband. It yeah. kind of changes it a little bit. But who, I guess, who would benefit from... Like, I, I, I can't think of anyone else because honestly, like, I just... There's just, like, there's just too much love there. Oh, I love it has, that. It has to be him. So you're canceling that Hawaii trip? Yeah. Sorry, Hawaii. Yeah. I mean, then I would consider, like, his dreams... That I would consider like who he'd want to have dinner yeah. with. Yeah. Holy, this uh, that's good. It's like Inception, right there. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so who would your husband <laughs> want to have dinner with other than you, um, of course? An astronaut. An astronaut. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. that's cool. Yeah. Cool. Be something about space. Cool. Yep. I love it. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I love it. <laughs> now I want to. I want to hear. Um, I'll have to go back and 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 have a listen to Gian's episode if it isn't out yet. Yeah, it comes um, out. Comes out next week. Okay. Whenever. Yeah, I don't. Time doesn't exist. In yeah. The yeah, 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 totally. Coming out soon. It's in the etheric world. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Is there, is there um, a documentary or movie that has inspired you in a way that you think others should be checking it out? Oh, actually, nothing is coming up off the top of my head. I, there's, I feel like we're inundated with information, and there's yeah. so many that are incredible. That yeah. No, there actually isn't. Cool. I like it. Yeah. No... Keep, keep it simple. Yeah. Go to 
we've been talking a lot about food and maintaining like a healthy kind of understanding and relationship. So go to weekend breakfast. What's uh, your favorite thing to, to, to make, make or to eat? Yeah. Uh, well, I would say waffles. Mm, I love a good yeah, waffle. Yeah, I would say waffles. I mean, that just like screams weekend. Yeah. yeah I totally. mean, it should happen during the week, but that's, yeah, I, yeah. I have such a funny relationship with breakfast. Maybe you can analyze me here. <laughs> I, I'm not a, I'm not hungry in the mm. morning. Like, I don't do it intentionally. Like intermittent fasting is a thing, and I think it's can be beneficial or problematic depending on your approach. Yep. But I'm never hungry in the morning. Yeah. So I'm not like naturally reaching for food. But I love breakfast foods. So I'm often often having like breakfast for dinner that's great yeah i think that's great yeah. i think that's good to know yourself and there's yeah. lots of reasons why that might be right like yeah they're, they're you know, hormonal shifts or like so many reasons why yeah. and and usually yeah usually men in general have um yeah like a different relationship maybe with that intermittent fasting or the ability to intermittent fast so, yeah yeah funny but also it speaks to our understanding of foods like yeah we would say oh you that's weird to eat breakfast right. foods yeah at dinner but it's like it's oh, just food. It's just yeah. food. If Good I want to eat pancakes, yeah. With yeah. some yogurt, yogurt yeah. on it with Get maybe it. some peanut butter and some maple Tonight. syrup. Oof, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sometimes sometimes the smoothie bowl for dinner is like oh, just so what the doctor ordered. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. Okay, I got I got one more dinner and then uh, if go. you got some more, we can land it and see where it goes. Okay. I mentioned this and I think this will be like a segue for episode two with you when we have you back. What are a couple of supplements, foods that are in your cupboard? What's in Kate Horseman's cupboard? Like you always got cool oh, mushrooms. Oh yeah, I mean, I I just feel like adaptogens, adaptogens, yeah. adaptogens. Um, yeah, some. I've been playing around with Makuna a little bit. Yeah. For like motivation and just like yeah. feeling like uh, you know during the fall like just like a bit low like yeah. get up and go and also flower essences and. Cool. Yeah, like adding those to my drinks. I mean, I always am creating yeah. something in the morning that's kind of weird. Yeah, and I love it. Um, You're a real alchemist. Yeah, and I think it's kind of fun to yeah play with those energies and feel yeah creative and in, in, in making food. And I think that's another way of belonging to food differently is like feeling like you're yeah you're uh, yeah you're invested in it. What are some go-to adaptogens for yourself? Mm, I mean. Big into mushrooms. Yeah. Recently, actually, reishi has been like a big one. I mean, I always chaga, um, ashwagandha. I love the way ashwagandha. So there's some foods that yeah. just like sound so inviting. Oh yeah, ashwagandha. It's just like the most beautiful word, ashwagandha. It, it really mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Yeah. It is a beautiful. I think it word. means something to do with a horse. Uh huh. Like a horse's tail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was Ash. I did a thing on adaptogens, and it was de- horse's tail is definitely sounding familiar. So something to do with horse, but beautiful. Just it's got a lot of Hawaiian words too. Like they've got that like flow that just like sounds so beautiful and inviting. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I said it was just one question, but this is kind of evolving from your answers. For those that don't know, what what is an adapt an adaptogen? Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, well a, a nutrient that helps to uh, modulate stress in the body. You know, so if you're feeling too too low, helps lift you up. Feeling too hyped, helps neutralize you. Um, yeah, so powerful amazing, plants. Hey? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's so cool that food and medicine can yeah. can kind of give you what you need in that yeah. sort and of way. They're so ancient, going back like, oh my gosh, people have been using these plants. Yeah, for 
forever. Mm-hmm. Forever, yeah. really, truly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know? So yeah. good. Okay, our last, our last of the rapid fire okay. slash not so rapid yeah. fire questions. Yeah. <laughs> we end our pod um, with this question for every guest. So we obviously, uh, with intention, named our podcast a little more good, knowing that that's what we want to create and do and see in the world. But we want to know, Kate Horseman, what does a little more good mean to you? I think a little more good. Mm. I'm just, uh, if you're out, if you're waiting for me (laughs) on the cast, maybe this will be edited. I'm just taking a pause, breathing into it. I think a little more good is belonging to our hearts a little bit more. Hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you, Kate. I mean, I said it before, but I'll say it again. I think you are the healer that the world needs, mm. you know, embodying the mind, body, soul, the holistic approach to, to wellness. You know, it's not a one-stop pill is going to save us. It's an approach mm. to living. And I think um, being a student and being a teacher, you've you know, been on this journey to to find ways that fulfill and heal through through food and and mindfulness and breathwork and spirituality, and I think uh, those are the things that we all need in the world. So I thank you for holding the space that you hold and for you know being a wave that creates more more love and more acceptance in mm-hmm. this world. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for powerful conversation, presence, questions. And uh, yeah, what a pleasure. All right. Till next time. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Wow. Yes. Kay Horseman. So good. So good. She's just like one of those people you want to be around, hey? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know calming thoughtful intentional intuitive like all all of those things and just um really really insightful yeah yeah appreciated that conversation very much i really kind of one of my takeaways was how intentional she was like you mentioned before the pauses before answering and i think so often we just like kind of race to the first thing that comes to our, you know, reptilian brain that we got here. Yeah. But she would like sit with the question and, and, and kind of wait till, you know, she felt that she uh, kind of came to terms with the question. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah, yeah definitely. And uh, I really, really loved what she said about um, like acceptance. Mm. Yeah. I think that's that's something that really stuck with me. And so... As, and I know it's something that I'll be working on is like we always strive to be better, right? That's something that we've talked about. That's something that we're, we're kind of innately drawn to is like that growth mindset and challenging ourselves, whether it be through activity or learning or stuff, you know, we can, we can whatever, achieve. But simply the work of like acceptance and, and that here I am kind of like moment. It was just kind of that hit me oh yeah yeah that was profound yeah
Yeah, Kate. Oof. Um, where can we find her if we want to continue our Kate journey? Yeah. So maybe maybe you're someone who is like she's speaking my language, or I need to connect with her. Obviously, I mentioned uh, in the episode on Instagram, you can find her uh, at Kate Horseman, H O R S M A N Health. So at Kate Horseman Health, uh, you can check her out there on Instagram. Of course, her website is katehorseman.com. Kate and then Horseman H O R S M A N com and there you can see more about her about the services she offers even online offerings um, her blog and of course there's some like um, you can contact her so yeah if you're someone who's interested in um, learning the strategies of self-acceptance moving into you know learning to love ourselves and grow um, she is someone that uh, does amazing work in helping in helping people as a healer, breathwork teacher. So check her out for sure. If you enjoyed this week's episode, uh, you know, give it a share, send it to a friend, write a review, give us a like or subscription. Uh, goes a long way mm-hmm. in allowing us to to share uh, the message of the podcast. And uh, yeah, we're grateful for all of you tuning in. It means a lot. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Peace.